May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of God, the God of Jacob, protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you supports from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Father, we do ask for your help in this day of trouble, that you would help the nations that are in war, that are under the threat of terrorists, that are under the threat of diseases. God, it is clear that this world is lost and broken and hurting apart from you. And so, Lord, we ask for your mercy and your help to save the nations, to give wisdom and godly leadership to the nations, that you would restore marriages and families. And God, we also pray that you would bring healing physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally across the nations. And Father, we ask that your spirit would just lead us, anoint this place, captivate our hearts and our attention so that Jesus would be the focus of today and that we would leave wanting to love him more, loving him more, and desiring to honor you with our lives. Father, I pray for strength, that you would fill me with your spirit now. And Holy Spirit, I invite you to anoint me, empower me, and preach through me today so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing and honorable in your sight. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the Wall Street Journal reported a study last week that noted couples who spend $20,000 or more on their wedding ceremonies are about 46% more likely than the average to get divorced. And as sad as a, a finding that is, that actually did not surprise me at all. Uh, because when I, what I've discovered in counseling, uh, in premarital couples and also married couples, uh, what I've found is there are people who have devoted years of time, money, energy, thought, into preparing their one-hour wedding ceremony, or in Korea, 20-minute ceremony. Um, whereas there are others who understand the importance of the ceremony, but they spend uh, so much time in the preparation of their hearts to be ready, for their life to be ready for a lifetime together. Uh, because for far too many people uh, in our generation, we have... Uh, dreamed of the wedding day for decades for some people, uh, planning the perfect uh, place, the perfect dress, the perfect everything, wanting that special day to be perfect, which is fine. We do want to honor that special day, but I believe we need far more time and energy and thought and prayers and preparation, not for that day when you get married, but for the lifetime of being married. Amen? Because for most people, uh, they seem to be more concerned with finding a great catch than being a great catch. Why? Because we are so naturally in love with ourselves. That's the default nature of the human heart. You know, I discovered this even in my son Enoch. You know, he's almost three years old in December. And I was talking to him this past week, and I go, Enoch, Daddy likes you so much. And he replies, I like you too, Daddy. 
And he goes, and then I said, Enoch, I love you. And he goes, Daddy, I love you. And then he goes, no, Enoch, I really, 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 really love Enoch. And he goes, I really, really love Enoch too. <laughs> and so I realized that it is natural for us to love ourselves. Maybe that's why Jesus said uh, to love our neighbors as ourselves, because we are very good at it. But when you have one person who has fallen and sinful married to another person who has fallen and sinful, and they are both are in love with themselves so deeply, you put them together in a marriage covenant, you're going to have trouble, okay? And that's when you realize how selfish you are and how hard it can be to truly be selfless in serving another person. And so that is why uh, in Scripture God has given us the action plan of what marriages were meant to look like. And we want to look at that today, not just some of the signs of what a biblical marriage should be, but ultimately those signs will be pointing us to what the heart of a marriage is really meant to be in the eyes of God. So we continue our series through Peter's first letter today. And for today, Peter gives us a few signs of what a marriage is to look like as God intended it to be. And so follow along with me in your outlines today. And we will see ultimately at the end of today what the heart of a marriage is meant to look like. Um, open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 1 and following today. So the first thing that Peter instructs to us, and in particular to the wives, is to submit to win. So everyone repeat, submit to win. So as you recall, last week we learned of how Peter was instructing the church about the importance of submitting to church leadership, that it was a sign of our trust in God, not necessarily our trust in man or our leaders, but our trust in God, our fear of God, and our submission is a reflection of our desire to honor God. Again, the biblical principle in general for uh, submitting to leadership is that we obey what they say unless they ask us to sin. Uh, so he now moves into the area of marriages and what that's supposed to look like. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conducts. So just as Peter previously mentioned how we are to respond to the authority in our lives, at home, the wife must also have the same attitude and motive as to why she submits. Because we trust God, we fear God and desire to honor God. So wives are to submit to or to be subject to their husbands because the husbands are to function as the leaders and the authority in the home. Now, some very important things to note in light of this principle. First of all, the word submits has been dragged in the dirt in our day, and it has unfortunately been used as a whip and as a weapon in Christian circles in a way that it was never meant to be used. But we need to remember the biblical meaning of submission. Submit is an expression of support in a way to strengthen your leader and your partnership together. For example, in the context of work, 
Uh, you submit to your boss as a way of supporting the boss in order to strengthen your organization. You are hired to help strengthen your group, which is why the boss hired you. And also remember that Eve was created in order to be a helper to Adam, in order to fulfill God's calling and his, the mandate upon their lives. Now remember that being a helper or being one who submits does not mean that you are inferior in a relationship. Jesus submitted himself to God the Father. Jesus submitted himself to his earthly parents. Jesus submitted himself to the governments and the leadership of his day. Does that mean that he was lesser than those people? Of course not. All have equal value, dignity, and honor before God. But what's different is our roles and our responsibilities. We have equal value, but different roles. The role of the wife, biblically, is to be a supporter and a strengthener and a helper in a Christian marriage. But remember that the term helper is not a weak or inferior role or title to have. In fact, it is the same title and the same term used for the Holy Spirit when he is called our helper in John chapter 14. So when you are faithfully fulfilling your role, you are becoming like the Holy Spirit, you are honoring the Holy Spirit, and as a result, you are becoming more godly in the process. Peter also mentions the witness this becomes. If your husband is not a believer or if he is a weaker believer, look at uh, verse 1 and 2 again of 1 Peter 3. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, if they're not believers, they may be one without a word but by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. So he is saying that instead of preaching to them or nagging to them, go to church, it's the right thing to do, read your Bible, I know you're not a Christian yet, but you have to, instead of nagging them, a life witness of grace, love, support, respect can also change their hearts. So in this sense, we are able to submit to win their hearts by our desire to honor Jesus and his words. Now, another very important footnote that I must make mention of in our day. Though the general principle that we have been talking about in this series, um, and I've been stressing about authority and submission, is that we are to submit except sin. But also, if there is domestic violence, physical, emotional, psychological, or even spiritual abuse, you need to leave that situation and protect yourself and your children because he is strongly sinning against you and your family. And I'll address the men a little bit later today, but for now, again, I want to encourage the ladies in abusive situations to get out and to get to safety as soon as possible. So that's where we need to begin, that we are called to submit to win. But another thing that Peter encourages the women is to shine from within. So everyone repeat, shine from within. So not only are we to submit to win, but we are to shine from within. 1 Peter 3, 3 and verse 4. Do not let your adorning be external, uh, the braiding of your hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now, 
The pressures of looking good and matching a certain look has never been higher in our, uh, than in our internet social media selfie generation. The Oxford Dictionary even voted the word selfie to be the word of the year last year. And Korea is obsessed with those selfie cameras uh, and especially those camera sticks. You know what I'm talking about? When I was on my book tour in the United States and on Canada, when uh, I would visit some touristy spots, you'd see those cameras and you'd see a Korean behind those cameras. And even uh, this past Tuesday, when we go out for our staff lunches, uh, we went to a place for dessert and the two girls were doing the selfie stick and I just happened, I just wanted to look and they were so embarrassed because somebody was watching. Uh, but it was fascinating to see how this has become such a popular uh, gift to give to Koreans. They're so thankful when you give them a selfie stick uh, because it feeds into our narcissistic desire to look at our favorite person ourselves, right? And people from all over the world now come to Korea, not Hollywood, for plastic surgery because we do it the best and we do it the most. And it's a lot cheaper here. <laughs> you know, there is a story of a middle-aged woman named Mary uh, who had a near-death experience and was taken to the hospital. While on the operating table, she died. She stood before God and asked, is my time up? God said, no, Mary, you still have about 40 years left to live. And God sent her back. Upon recovery, she was so relieved uh, that she had 40 years left to live that Mary decided to stay at the hospital because she heard that hospital also had a, a reputation of being good at plastic surgery. So she stayed, got a facelift, liposuction, tummy tuck, and even changed the length and the color of her hair. And after her last adjustment, she was released from the hospital. She was beaming, glowing, so excited about this new lease on life. But as she was crossing the road, a car hit her and she died. Arriving in front of God again, she said, why am I here? I thought you said I had another 40 years to live. Why did I die again so soon? And God replied, wait a minute, Mary? Is that you? Thank you for laughing. <laughs> Our staff never laughs at my jokes, so I appreciate this. Um, thank you. You see, what Peter is saying here uh, is a truth that many still find hard to believe, that it is, even in the eyes of God, the inside that counts more than the outside. That men, women, boys, girls, they look on the outside, but God looks at the hearts. Amen? So Peter is saying, don't let your outer beauty be the most attractive thing about you. Look at verse 3 again. Do not let your adorning, your, the things that people find beautiful about you, be external, be it your hair or your jewelry or your clothes, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now, he is not saying don't care about your physical side anymore. He's not saying don't worry about showering, don't shower, don't brush your teeth. Remember, we are to love our neighbors too, okay? Uh, but just as you invest time and thought and energy to look good on the outside, invest time and energy and thought to cultivate what is on the inside, amen? Just as you carefully look at the mirror 
Also spend time looking in the mirror of your soul, the Word of God, which will also teach and transform who you are. Cultivate your character. Spend time alone in the presence of God, in His Word, in worship. Develop a heart that is sensitive to the presence of God and His voice. Fall in love with Jesus as you sit at His feet. That will be beautiful and attractive to God and to men of God. And Peter gives the example of Sarah, verse 5 and 6. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So Sarah was a woman who put her faith and her hope in God. The reason why she served her husband was for God, and that's why we serve our leaders as well. Ultimately, it is because of God. She fashioned herself with faith and hope in the Lord, and out of reverence for God, she showed deep respect for her husband. Verse 6 tells us that she called her husband Lord, which is simply a deep expression of respect. As the old adage goes, a primary need for women is to feel loved, and a primary need for men is to feel respected. He is also saying in verse 6, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So do good that God has called us to do and do not live in fear. Do not fear the opinions of others. Do not fear the future and the unknown. Do not fear getting old. Do not fear gaining weights. Do not fear being single. Be a woman of faith that trusts in God, who is sovereign, who loves you, and who will care for you always. And he will pave a path of blessings in your life as you do trust him, as you do obey him and follow him. And this principle of really learning the value of the heart, of shining from within, is not just for women, it is for men as well. This is a faith principle for all the people of God, that we must understand that the most attractive thing about us must not be the external things of what we look like on the outside, what we wear, or what we own. Charles William Eliot was born into a wealthy family in Boston. But he was born with a birth defect on the right side of his face, and it bothered him greatly, so much so that he would never take a photo or get a painting done uh, of this right side of his face. So in fact, if you ever saw images of him, he does a complete profile shot so you only see his left side. When he was younger, he was told by doctors that they could not, they could not operate on his face and change the disfigurement. And so when he heard those news, he went to deep depression. And so he was so depressed, a family member writing about him uh, said, described that that period was the dark period of his soul, the dark hour of his soul. But Charles' mother said to him, my son, it is not possible for you to get rid of that hardship, but it is possible for you with God's help and by God's grace to grow a mind, a soul, and a faith so big that people will forget to look at your face. And so that changed his outlook on life. It changed his perception of faith. 
and how he is meant to live. He later on, he later went on to become the 21st president of Harvard University, the youngest president at Harvard at just 35 years of age, and also setting a record of keeping that position for 40 years. In essence, his mother convinced his son, her son, the value and importance of life that shines from within. And the most beautiful elements of our life that God takes notice of is a heart of faith that will trust Him in all aspects of life, in all seasons of suffering, and in all seasons of surprises. That when we maintain that, God, I don't understand it, I may not like it, but I trust you. That is beautiful in the sight of God. Amen? So that's an important thing that we must be aware of as well. So to submit to win and shine from within. And now Peter addresses the guys. And for the husbands, we are to shelter and defend. <coughs> shelter and defend. Excuse me. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, we talked earlier today about how the role of the wife is to be a supporter, a strengthener, and a helper in marriage, that both the husband and the wife have equal value, but different roles, different functions. Now, husbands, just as you would want your wives to fulfill her roles faithfully before you, you have an important role to play too, and that is to be a shelter for her and to protect her, allowing her to feel secure. Secure her identity and also her concerning her beauty by your love. The question we have to ask is, does she feel safe around you? Now, on a basic level, physically, that's a given. But also, does her heart and her emotions feel safe with you? Uh, verse 7 again. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Now, is he asking the impossible? Is he really saying, husbands, try to understand your wives? Now, before you think that it is impossible to understand your wife, which I find understandable, uh, what he means here is in your marriage, grow in your understanding of her needs uh, and meet those needs in a loving and considerate way. And especially for the goal-oriented guys in this place, we need to set new goals that goes beyond just capturing her heart uh, on the wedding, for the wedding day. And that is to love her like Christ and to see Christ formed in her so that she is ready to meet Christ on the day of Christ. One of the ways to do this is to treat her well through provision by providing for her needs, understanding them and meeting them. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28 and 29 says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. So we are to nourish and cherish our wives. Uh, that must be the mark of a Christian husband to his wife. Why? 
because that is how Christ cares for us. A key place to begin is by providing this kind of leadership and servanthood in our homes. Many husbands are leaders at work, but that leadership is absent in the home. But the number one place that requires your leadership is before God at home, uh, before your wife and children. You are her leader and your children's leader. Therefore, lead her into his presence. Again, even if um, wives, your husbands may not be as spiritually mature or strong as you, uh, have the husband, husbands, if that's you, then you uh, call the family together for a time of prayer. And then you say, now mommy will lead us in a time of devotion. So that still in the eyes of your children, you are leading in some capacity spiritually in your home. And there are three key areas that we are to lead and care for her. And that is spiritually, we must lead, physically, and emotionally, care for her and protect her. First area is to meet her spiritual needs because the greatest need that she has is to be connected to Christ in a growing, loving relationship. Our identity, security, and calling are all connected to our relationship to Jesus Christ, and we must help her find that in Christ. So we do this by providing that kind of spiritual leadership. But also we are to seek to care for her physical needs. Uh, financially would fall under that, taking care of them financially, but also physically through intimacy, caring for those needs as well. But most of you are very familiar with these um, already. But the third area is often our weakest as guys, and that is meeting her emotional needs. Um, again, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So one way we honor her uh, as the weaker vessel physically is by protecting her. Never lay a hand on your wife except to help her or in an affectionate way. I don't care if you saw your dad do it. I don't care if you saw your uncle do it. You break the cycle of sin for your family and be her protector and defender. Amen, guys? Never hit her. Never. Never raise your hand to harm her. Never. You are there to protect her. There is a reason why you are physically stronger than her. And it is not to show off that you are stronger than her to her, but the reason why you are stronger than her is so that you can be her protector. Amen? And another way that we protect our wives is by caring for her uh, emotionally. What many surveys have found is that when a guy meets the physical needs of the wife, house, money, car, whatever, he thinks that that is enough and that love has been expressed. Korean culture, Asian culture is very strong on this, right? They think that to provide for the family financially means that I am loving my family. And that is one way, but that is not the main way. Uh, working more does not mean loving more, okay? Um, one survey amongst women revealed that 70% of married women said that they'd prefer to live a lower standard lifestyle financially they choose that versus having lower levels of emotional expression and connection. So that's an important thing to know, notes as well. Uh, Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church 
and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that is our responsibility, guys, and that is huge. That's a big one. To protect and provide for our wives, preparing her to meet Christ. And a key principle that was the focus of a sermon that I gave a couple of years ago, based on this verse, verse 7, is based on, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life, uh, so that your prayers may not be hindered. That husbands, pretty serious verse here, what it's saying is, how you treat your wife is how God will treat your prayers. If you honor your wife, God will honor your prayers. If you dishonor your wife, God will dishonor your prayers. That's pretty serious. And you are responsible for the care of God's daughter entrusted to you. And one of the biggest tests in our lives for the long run is how you treat your spouse, speaking here to both husbands and wives, uh, because the way that you treat your spouse is, is one of the greatest ways that we can become godly and like Christ. You see, one of the biggest tests of spiritual maturity and godliness is, is seen in how you treat your spouse. Why? Uh, because it is about how do we treat the one in whom we know so well. We know so well their uh, sins and weaknesses and failures like nobody else because we live with them all the time. And it is that opportunity that we get to extend grace and become godly. For the heart of a marriage is extending love and grace to reflect God's love and grace for his church, his bride. So for both the husband and the wife, marriage is a call to love, to love Christ, to love like Christ, and to love the ones Christ died for. Amen? Let's pray. And can we pray right now? And um, if you are married, uh, husbands, wives, can we pray right now that God would allow us to have his love and grace at the heart of our marriages? That when we see weaknesses, that we would take that opportunity to extend love and grace to others as well. So let's spend a few moments right now and to pray for that. And for the uh, single people, pray for your parents' marriages, pray for your friends' marriages, and pray that you as well would prepare your heart to be a great catch. Let's pray together.